Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions, and in this episode, Ian Montgomery of Label Sessions talks to Dion Chang. Dion is the founder of Flux Trends, the global firm dedicated to trends as business strategy. With over 15 years of experience at Flux Trends alone, Dion truly is the business strategist and professional cage rattler he describes. Over to Dion and Ian. Thank you so much, Dion, for, for taking the time to, to do this sort of Q&A uh, conversation. Um, I guess the, the best way of kicking these things off is really to get, like, tell us a little bit about you. Like, we've heard a bit about you from your business partner, um, but I'd really love to hear in your own words, like, a bit of your background, a bit of your life and what you're famous for. All right. So, um, what I do currently, because there's been quite a few um, career transitions or changes, um, but I started this company, Flux Trends, 17 years ago. So it's a trends analysis company. Uh, what we're specializing is we um, look for anything that might disrupt a business model. So whether it's new technologies, um, a kind of a new workforce um, uh, mood, currently uh, Gen Z, uh, really disrupting most companies, um, generative AI, anything like that. Um, and as a result, our mantra is trends as business strategy. And we basically at the moment um, consult mostly to big corporates, um, but we also help uh, smaller companies as well and kind of hold their hands through uh, through that. Um, so just a bit of personal um, information about myself. Um, I'm third generation Chinese South African. Um, so born and bred in South Africa, which confuses a lot of people, um, especially when I travel. Um, I lived in the UK for a while. I lived in Paris. Um, so I'm an, I'm an anomaly in most places because uh, Asian South Africans aren't that well known. Um, so when you travel, they say, well, you're not black, you're not white. So how do you fit in? Um, so I've been um, this kind of anomaly where my entire life, and especially when I go to the East, I don't speak Mandarin um speak a bit of French so I'm a little bit of a hodgepodge of all things and so it's a it's a bit of a mystery to a lot of people which actually suits me fine because it keeps people on their toes make sure the more interesting and intriguing um and it's, it's it's interesting that that sort of diaspora as it goes second third fourth generation right so um yeah it so I, I, when we're doing our sort of background on you we saw that you used the term business doula I think I'm pronouncing that right um, yes. Tell us a little bit about what that, like, what is a business dealer and what does that mean to you? Okay. So that's a really new um, trajectory. So I've just um, started on that course and, and we are literally um, just about to launch that as a services at, at Flux. So uh, let me take a few steps back. So a most people would have heard of a, a birthing doula. Um, so somebody that would uh, is not a midwife, but helps um, uh, a woman uh, give birth and is therefore emotional support. Uh, a death doula is on the other end of the scale, and they or oh, death doulas basically help uh, people die or or pass on um, or help their families. So it's a it's a non medical support uh, system or structure um, that helps um, the families come to terms with uh, with death and with transition. Um, I've um, in my own way, uh, gone ahead and done something that I don't think is really in existence or is 
not very, it or might be very, very rare. Um, but what I decided, so I just trained as a end of life doula, but um, end of life doesn't necessarily only mean death. So it could also be end of life as you know it. So whether you are um, emigrating, you've had a new baby, you've lost your business, um, new technologies come in, uh, destroyed your business or, or revamped your business, anything that might have changed your life trajectory um, is considered end of life. So what I put together um, was I decided what thought back and what we've done at Flux for the past 17 years has been the the death of old ideas and the birth of new ideas. And we've helped companies spot um, uh, new business models, new technologies that can change their, 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 their businesses. So um, in this new trajectory, I thought, well, let's put the two together because they are actually really, really similar and um, launch the service as a, a business dealer. And I think um, it's the right time to do this because what you're starting to see is a whole lot of, well, uh, a slew of the death of old ideas and the birth of new um, new technologies. All businesses are changing. The I, I lectured modules at some business colleges, and um, what we always say in in that respect is, um, you know, you are using old twentieth century business models to try and run a twenty first century uh, digitized business, and there's a big disconnect there. So I think this business doula is able to give that support um, and hold people's hands in to, to do that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an overlap or a dovetailing um, of what I really do for, for flats, but just take it into a completely different uh, service and hopefully trailblazing for, for, for a lot of um, business owners as well. And what's the early traction like in terms of as you're, as you're making the journey into this sort of um, new realm? What, what kind of feedback are you having so far? Um, and does it differ between what you see locally in South Africa and maybe what happens more internationally? Yeah, I, um, look, it, like I said, it's, um, we, we're really just only about to launch, launch the service. So it's, it's, it's really, really fresh and new. So we, we, we don't know what the, the traction is going to be. But my gut feel is that whether it's in South Africa or we're, uh, it's a global phenomenon that um, things are well, to put it bluntly, unraveling uh, very fast uh, in, in the world. 2023 was 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 quite an unraveling year, and it still is uh, unraveling at the moment. Um, so it's it's just kind of a sense that I've I've got. And when I started Flax Trends 17 years ago, I always jokingly say, you know, I started a trends company when trends weren't trendy, and now 17 years later, so everybody's got some trend report going out, uh, doing things. So I like to to be a little bit of ahead of uh, of the curve. So this is my attempt. I'm staking a claim um, about the, the business dealer, but um, just from anecdotal chats to people, people really resonate. So firstly, they're very surprised at the, the concept, but when you explain the concept to them, they go, oh, okay, that's, that's really kind of needed um, as well. So to differentiate, it's not about business coaching. Um, there'll be a, a, an element of that with the trends background that we do, but it's also to, to kind of, take people in, show them blind spots, um, kind of hold their hands through um, a very difficult change and transition within their businesses. In terms of like you said you trained as a deaf doula, what did you learn through that yes. process? What, what's the, what were the most interesting takeaways for you that you then can then go and apply into where the journey takes you? 
Yeah. So firstly, the, um, um, if, if, if I go back as well, when I first started training, they said, um, you know, you didn't just put your hand up to, to do this. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a calling. Um, and they said, when you, when you start the training, they said, you'll, you'll actually um, realize that you've been doing this most of your life or, or elements of it, but without you really, really knowing it. Um, you know, so um, the, what, what you learn in, in terms of the death doula is to try and um, essentially calm people down. Um, because there's a lot of hysteria, um, obviously, around a, a terminal illness. Um, so you're a bridge between um, the, the, the patient or the client and, and their family, but you um, really hold that space for, for the person who is terminal or who is going through a really, really bad patch um, to be able to do that. And you also do that uh, with the, the family as well. So it's kind of a network of... Um, being able to to keep your head quite calm and to see things that other people um, are not seeing. One of the most interesting aspects of the training for me, um, and I think it's just because of the trends background and, and just kind of the curiosity of the world, because I'm an intrepid traveler, I love traveling, um, was to also look at the different um, approaches to death from different cultures. Um, and in South Africa, where you have 11 official languages, that becomes really, really interesting. Um, so not only kind of uh, different African tribal subsects, but a Jewish family, a Muslim family, uh, Asian family. What what are those? What are the the kind of the um, the rituals, the things that you do, and what are the things that you just absolutely should not be doing um, for for those different cultures? For me, that was really, really interesting. Um, but but essentially, was just to to be able to sit with someone, um, whether it's virtual or face-to-face, -face, um, and just really be meet them where they are. Um, that was the biggest lesson to, to do that. And I think in terms of, of, of doula sessions or maybe even label sessions is that, for me, I think that that's, that sense of empathy but also understanding of, of, of what people are going through um, would be a very, very helpful um, service, let's say, for somebody who is going through a very traumatic change within a business uh, environment. And do you see that person going through that traumatic change in a business environment? Are you looking at smaller entrepreneurs or are you looking at larger corporate? Because the flux trends work is primarily quite corporate. Um, yeah. You're looking at executives or maybe having a bit of that, oh shit moment, where is my career going from here? Um, it's, it's really, really both. Um, um, while our, our clients at Flux Trends are, are corporate, um, I do quite a lot of sideline side line work um, um, dealing with smaller businesses, entrepreneurs. I'm always I'm asked to give keynotes at sort of entrepreneur um, conferences, startups. I'm actually doing one in November, um, later on this year. Um, so, so it really, really is both. And I think what's interesting is the what I see from all over the years of doing um, the, a module of the business of innovation at, at different business schools um, where you're speaking to middle to higher management, you start seeing a pattern emerge of, of what that kind of leadership needs. And the further higher you go, you are seeing specifically now um, with so many cross currents, undercurrents happening to businesses, um, you're seeing the, the sort of senior leadership being really, really stressed out. And I think that's where this kind of service it's not a business coach but it is a more of a emotional psych psychological kind of how do i get through through all of this um and and to 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 overlap on that 
we've also done a whole lot of research um, about the, the the boomer economy. Um, so so that being the complete reinvention of retirement. So we prefer the term rewirement instead of retirement because now it's not unusual for people to to turn ninety. I think five years ago it would be a bit of an anomaly to say, oh my gosh, you know your nan or your grand is, is turning ninety. Wow, that that's amazing. Now it's most people are getting to that that stage. It's, so it's not that different different anymore. Um, and I, I take a leaf out of a book called Life's Third Age by an author called Ken Ditchwell. And basically, that really reframed things. So he said there's there's three stages of life now. So birth to 30 is your formative years. 30 to 60 is your professional. And you're, um, you know, you're finding yourself getting a family, starting a family, finding a partner, all of those kind of things. And now we have Life's Third Age, which is now 62 to 90. Um, and we have pegged, again, the death of old ideas, We've picked retirement at 60, 65. You now have another two decades of really good cognitive kind of uh, uh, facilities and, and, and abilities um, physically as well as emotionally. So what do you do for another two decades uh, you know, of, of your life? So that's part of the, the rewirement and part of what I think I would probably mostly be doing in terms of senior management with, uh, with, with the business dealer. But for those smaller companies, being an entrepreneur myself, starting um, this company from scratch 17 years ago, also having three, four very different career paths, um, also kind of, I'm, I'm equipped to sort of say to people, we can go this way, we can do that way. And with all the trends research that I've got um, in my arsenal, um, I think I can advise people um, pretty accurately about kind of where they should be going or, or what they shouldn't be doing. We should set you up with one of our other label mates, actually, because there's a lady called Victoria Tomlinson who uses like similar language, similar terminology, but you're coming at it from totally different angles. So it's really interesting to have it, like the the connections are going off as 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 I'm, as I'm lifting to you. Ah, love um, to, that's love to hear that. Yeah, just talking about that rewirement thing. I think like that's a really interesting piece that maybe not enough people are talking about right now, where you mm -hmm. have like if I remember rightly, like I think retirement was invented by Otto von Bismarck. Because it was like basically Germans who was like, when when do we think you'll when when are you no longer useful? When do we think you'll die? Okay, we'll pay for, we'll give you some we'll give you some pension money, and it just happened to be about nine months. But we sort of carried on that idea, but yeah. with very different contexts. And now we have people that retire and get bored and don't know what to do with themselves. But we also have people yeah. who retire and then it opens them up to twenty years of a totally different. Maybe they don't even think about it as a career. But it's a totally that that stage of life is radically different compared to what the term design designed for. So, I think that's sort of fascinating. Is especially corporate execs are now going. I don't necessarily want to leave what I do just now. I don't want yes. to necessarily save to get towards my pension because I'm going to be hanging around for twenty years watching what this company does next or doesn't. In the case of some companies, because they no longer exist. Yeah. So I mean, the the rewirement is. Um... This on so many levels. So, so firstly, it's it's in terms of age. So, so reaching that retirement age and then not wanting to retire or wanting to carry on working or doing something completely different. I mean, there might be, and and that's where the the whole doodle thing. There, there's a, there's so many similarities, which is why why I'm, I've got trust in the service of being a, a business doodle is kind of sort of saying, well, okay, I I need to do something different. And and what we started to see. Ironically, on the other end of the scale, we've done a lot of uh, research with, with your Gen Zs or Gen Zs, depending on which side of the 
pond you can live on. Um, but you know that whole thing is about purpose. And suddenly, for an older demographic, the, the idea of of purpose or, or or doing something that is meaningful in your life instead of just being a cog in the wheel and just working all all the time is resonating. So so on 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 either sides of the of the age scale, you, you, you're getting that. So it's rewirement in terms of retirement or thinking about retirement very, very differently. But if you look at just people that are maybe within businesses, the the the, the amount of rewirement they're going to have to do with changing business models at the moment um, is is just speeding up exponentially. So it's not only um, you know onboarding uh, a very new um, demographic as as an entry level workforce, your, your your Gen Zs who are your first digital natives of humanity who have got completely different ideas about um, authority, about reward, benefit, uh, all of those kind of things. Um, but also you've got new technologies to, to do that. Um, so so in in every single case that requirement resonates with a lot of people because you've got to rethink how how to do things. Uh, the analogy analogy I always use in 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 the business classes that I do. Is you know if we are literally um, about to get into driverless cars, why in business terms are we using an old stick shift manual to try and run, operate, and maintain this new car? The the systems are different, the manuals different, all the rules are different, and yet we do that in terms of business. We we hang on to these twentieth century notions, um, and don't get me started on a forty hour work week and a five day work week. <laughs> Um, because yeah, that that's just for me is just really old, obsolete thinking, and and people have to rewire for a, a new world order, basically. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. It talks about traveling a lot and you do all this from South Africa. I think that's really interesting yes. around typically the futurist is coming to you from New York or from the Valley, sometimes from London, projecting a view of the world that isn't terribly representative. What does it look like to you when you, in your travels or in your work or like living in South Africa? How do you see a different world emerging? Um, how would you paint that picture versus another futurist might? Yeah, look, great, great question. Because um, you know, with with Bronwyn, my business partner, you know, uh, she always maintains um, we've kind of seen the future. Uh, it might have been not in the most ideal way. Uh, you know, we've had energy problems and uh, load shedding, as we call it here in South Africa. Um, and then years later, we get the rest of the world going, "Oh my God, we've got energy problems. We we might have to, uh, you know, sort of." Uh, give you sort of a limited um, energy, all of those kind of things. Uh, in 2018, Cape Town almost went dry, was the first major city in the world to to completely, the taps completely ran dry. It's like, oh, we've been there, we've done that as well. And then you start seeing specifically on the rest of the African continent, things that are being done in emerging markets, not just Africa, but maybe other emerging markets, but where startups and entrepreneurs come up with different things because you don't have the the financing, you don't have the infrastructure to do things, and you start developing things in a very, very different way, which completely sidesteps what the developed world, you know, has done. So, so you know, the, uh, this is, I mean, a really, really kind of old and broad example, but specifically on the African continent, 
um, you know, people went, uh, because you didn't have landline uh, telephones, you went kind of straight into mobile. Um, so you've, you've got all of this mobile technology, mobile banking, all of those kind of new systems that have, that have grown out of it. So for me, it's, I, I enjoy traveling to kind of benchmark where other countries are, but then you always have a different way of looking at things um, from a, an emerging market world. Um, and, and, and I like that. I really like that dynamic because you can compare and you can say, well, that might seem great there, but it's not that, that great here. And, and what would be, what would be more appropriate for different markets um, and, you know, to budget this in terms of giving advice, um, it gives you a wider scope of, of perspective um, and, and, and very different lenses to, to be able to say, yeah, I think that's a good idea or no, I don't think that's a good idea. The example you give around skipping straight to um, mobile phones is quite interesting because I think I'm in Eastern, I'm in the, the Caucasus at the moment and everything is run off of WhatsApp. And when I was in Chile a few years ago, yeah. like entire businesses and ecosystems are run from a WhatsApp message. And you can trust it. You can you feel confident doing business with somebody. You know that someone's going to turn up and do what, what they said they're going to do for you. But in, yeah. in the West, we don't. WhatsApp is a thing for messaging your mates, nothing else. And yeah. So let's so give you a quick example. I mean, that, yeah, it's just a quick local example as well. So during, during lockdown, um, we were... Uh, sort of interviewing people about sort of new innovations in terms of uh, retail, but with lockdown. And we found a, a, a company who did what every single big retailer said was impossible to do. So in South Africa, you have uh, informal settlements, you've got townships, you've got places that don't have street addresses, that don't have grids or anything like that. And all of your big retailers said, it's, it's not possible to do that. They can't do online ordering. Uh, we can't uh, put the address system in. Um, but young entrepreneurs here did that and was through WhatsApp. Um, it was granted a very, very steep learning curve because they said people would just WhatsApp a shopping list to them and say, I want bread, sugar, milk, whatever. And they'd have to go, okay, do you want white sugar, brown sugar? Do you want half a K? Do you want two kilograms? Do you want one kilogram? All of those kind of questions. But they ironed that out really, really quickly. Um, and then they started delivering. And you know, you use different things like uh, systems like What Three Words. Um, and you have a e-commerce uh, system that goes flies below the radar and does what every big retailer said was impossible to do, and that's really what I like about the kind of the innovation that comes out um, and that I see. It's really cool. The what three words thing is so fascinating. Like where I am right now, get here. The place doesn't really yeah. have an address, or it's, or the address is wrong on Google. It's different on Yandex. So the guy was just like used what three words and gave me and like. I found my way to where I'm at, where I am right now. So yeah, it's a great example of breaking the system. Yeah, um, fantastic. Also, in our, in, our, in our sort of stalking of you, we came across this line of like you've been a cage rattler, but making sure people have a gentle yes. landing. Um, it's just like I, I love like I, I'm I'm quite good at pissing people off, <laughs> and I think a lot of people who are trying to tell like present uh, different trends or inspire change or instigate instigate a piece of transformation. They can they can irritate people, um, so I really like the, that term of cage rattler with a gentle landing. Um, what's your secret there to 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 preach to practicing that as well as preaching it? I think it's a combination of 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 enjoying being part futurist. So so um, you know you, you you like that 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 forward looking and foresight way of of doing things, but it's also I've also noticed that you know giving endless keynotes over the past couple of years, if you 
kind of just put something that is a little bit sort of fantastical and, and a little bit out of reach. Um, people then to say, yeah, well, that's interesting, but it, it has no relation to, to what, what we do and, 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 and our local business. So what I enjoy doing, and I think what's, that's the strength of, of what we've done in Fl at Flux you know, over the past 17 years, is we say we join the dots for you. So uh, it might seem completely outrageous, but we bring it home and we, we make connections to what it would mean for businesses, what it would mean for your customer, what it would mean for policy development, whether it's at a government level. And people get that aha moment. Um, but while they get that aha moment, a lot of the times when I finish a, uh, giving a keynote, people would say, well, I'm really excited, but I'm completely terrified of what you've just shown me because, because it's been framed in a way that, that is relatable and realistic, but then terrifying at the same time. So we like saying to people, we will rattle your cage, but, but I've got a saying at, at Flux Trends in terms of our clients, it says, we'll, we'll ease you into a hot bath slowly. So that's the soft landing. It's like, we'll, we'll terrify you, but we'll give you the solutions. We'll spot the blind spots and we'll say, these are the unintended consequences of, of what you thought was a great innovation that you're going to put into your company. We're going, mm, but there are consequences to all of those kind of things. And then kind of lead people in a little bit slowly to, to be able to do that. So when people ask me, you know, what, what do you do? Um, I just say that the very short answer is, um, I'll, I will hopefully make you think differently. And, and that's the cage rattling part with a, with a soft landing because people go, ah, oh, okay, never thought about it that way. And then they, they have that aha moment and then that's, that's a good starting point. And then it's much easier to work with people from there. What are the, are there sort of any sort of common themes or, um, frequently occurring trends that you see has been the pieces that give them that aha moment or perhaps make make clients a bit scared of what happens next. I think the, the, the one that I get frequently is because of these kind of eight years of, of, of researching of, of Gen Z. Um, so, so we start that way before this generation started coming of age. Um, and now they're coming of age and now they're coming, entering the, the, the workforce. And we always say it's a, it's a two pincer attack um, on your company, because if you're a consumer facing company, that's your new customer. But in terms of, of, of a big company or a corporation, they're, they're your workforce. So they're coming from both sides um, at you. And, and what I get all the time is people sort of digesting the information we give them in terms of, of business trends and, and, and of workforce trends and everything. But then you speak to a lot of parents of Gen Zs in the audience at the same time. And inevitably afterwards, I have the circle around me desperate parents going, that was really, really interesting in terms of work, but I have a 17 year old in my house. I've got a 15 year old in my house. And what did, you know, what you said really resonated and what you said about the gaming and, and trading of skins online and all of this kind of things. I don't know how to do this and understand that. So this is a sort of multi-level understanding of the trends. So you've shaken that tree, but quite a lot of different apples fall from it that they didn't really expect uh, to do that. Um, and, and those very different and very personal are our moments, um, I think is what I really, really enjoy. We, we did this, this massive kind of, um, three day interrogate a strategy. It was a really big kind of strategy to change a, a company's complete, um, identity and, and, and what they do. 
Um, and afterwards, we were sort of having this this end of the, the workshop lunch, and people said exactly the same thing. They said, you know, what what you've said has really opened my eyes to 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 the future, what's happening here. But I can take a lot of that home um, in terms of my personal development um, as well. So so that really resonates with me, and and, and in that respect, I. I think people don't mind having the, their trees or their cage rattled um, that badly. It's interesting the Gen Z and Z thing. But the thing that people get a little bit triggered by is, and you mentioned it of like gaming, trading skins. That's that sort of the thing that triggers people now, or parents now. But if you went back to like the sixties, it was clothing and music. And then probably in like the eighties and that sort of punk era, it was clothing and music. But now clothing and music isn't really it. We're sort of everyone's trained to something that's provocative that someone might wear or someone might listen to. But like, well, how they spend their time still is perhaps the more triggering thing, or the more shocking thing, or the more complicated thing to understand if you haven't been been brought up in that environment. So it's it's sort of interesting how history doesn't repeat but rhymes there. Um, I don't know if that's sort of yeah. sometimes helpful in your work of like how you look back and forward, really. It is, and and I think the one thing that, but the one thing that has completely changed and is really challenging, and, and I'm 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 quite passionate about this. So so part of the, the sort of unraveling of, of skills and, and and cage racking is also to to look at, at at skills. So if you if you acknowledge that your business model has to change or there's new technologies changing it, then my next question is well. Do you have the right skill set to, to to bring into to, to your company or your business to be able to do that, and that is where I have the very interesting um, discussions with your Gen Z parents because they go, so what was my child's study? What are the new jobs of the future? All of those kind of things. Um, I get I get that all the time. That's one of the most frequently asked questions I get, and then I really rattle their cages even more, and I say to them, please, 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 do not force your 17-year-old child, your, your teenager, into going to university straight after they finish high school. And there's always this stunned silence after someone going, but, but why? People need degrees and everything like that. And then I go on a whole rant about changing business models, how things are adapting and everything. So so yes, if your, your son or daughter wants to become doctor, lawyer, um, engineer, yes, absolutely there. But I said, for the most part, your, your the jobs of the future or the very near future are changing so rapidly and the requirements within those jobs and you get this 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 HR mantra of we hire for attitude and we, we train for skills. So if you're going to be retrained all the time, then then you need to do this. And then coming back to my point about getting sort of good insights from, from emerging markets or from Africa or wherever it is, you're starting to see there's a big question that's, that's happening on the African continent is people saying, are tech hubs the future of universities on the African continent? Because if you are doing, um, and this is a World Economic Forum um, case study that I've also, I used to back up because I, I always need to just kind of convince parents of this. Um, you know, they're saying what what they're advocating uh, between now and 2030 are micro-credentials. And for me, that makes a lot of sense. You, mm-hmm. you, 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 you collect a, a very hybrid digital backpack of, of different skills. And then I push it back into into businesses, and I say, you know, you do know and realize that that the future of work is going to be decentralized one way or the other. You can dig your heels in and want everybody back in the office right now, but that's it's just not going to happen. Uh, times have changed; you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So once that decentralization of the workforce happens, 
you are going to want that entrepreneurial spirit. So in corporate speak at the moment, you want that entrepreneur, somebody that, that thinks like an entrepreneur but works for your company. And I'm saying more and more and more, you're going to want somebody with hybrid skills that can work for themselves, that can problem solve, and can work independently, but come back into into the um, you know company. And that's where I get onto my high horse about, oh, you know, it should be outputs and and and, and outcomes related work, not just well, we've got to be back in the office because eight hours in the office um, equals so much productivity. And I'm like, that's also that's you know that gone and dusted. I was going to use an expletive there, but but uh, I work for yeah for, for the podcast. But yeah, but yeah, those are the, those are the things I come across um, a lot. And and again, death of old ideas, birth of new. I think that like how that generation thinks and works. I think most generations look at younger generations and go, "Oh, they're a bit lazy," and like I think that's a very yeah. easy thing, easy thing to tar them with. But actually, great if people are lazy, fantastic. But it, it probably means they've learned how to be much more efficient and effective and hack the system. If we can apply that, then things should become more productive, even if people look at it as a as a, yeah. as a lazy. I mean, it's an thing. Exactly. So, so I always, t- I always tell people, you know, uh, I remind people that if, you know, before the pandemic, um, your 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 new Gen Z workforce, their mantra was, "I don't want a job, I want a lifestyle." And of course, your senior leadership scoff and say, "Well, here, yeah, we all want that." And then I, I I counter that with saying, "Well, you know, how many times have you regretted missing your daughter's ballet recital, your son's?" football match, all of those kind of things. And and I said, then the other mantra has always been, work is not a place I go to, work is what I do. And say, isn't it the irony of all ironies that it took one pandemic for us to think that these entitled young brats um, actually might have had something that we are all wanting the same thing now post-pandemic because we've had this life audit. Uh, we've, we've looked you know, through things that during the lockdown and now suddenly we're going, actually maybe... Yeah, they've got something there, and and we should be following them. So I'm a big advocate for uh, Gen Z shadow boards for companies um, to to have that, and I always ask, what is your speak up culture in your organization? Do you allow other people to voice their opinions to to do that? Because the, especially a younger workforce has a very different kind of agency than an older workforce used to have. So they are used to speaking up. They're used to having that agency. They're used to being able to to make some some, some kind of impact, despite a younger age. Um, but because they are techno savvy and they are digital natives of the new world. How many companies do you come across that genuinely have a great culture of um, younger people in those businesses being able to speak up? <laughs> very, very, very few. Um, very few, and, and specifically, I think because um, most of our clients are, are really quite large, large corporates, um, that kind of corporate culture is really difficult to to shift. Um, I think in in all of the projects we've done, there's only one that's been a, a real sort of standout was was a small um, NGO, and and basically they had a, an outgoing CEO who wanted to leave you know, a good legacy. And he actually listened to all of our advice. He restructured the whole company. He put people on hot desking. He this was before remote work. Um, he changed the, the sort of starting times to instead of compensate or nine o'clock, people coming at ten. 
um, and the feedback from from his his organization that the, the teams was was really overwhelming. So it was really good to 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 kind of find somebody that would say, yeah, I really understand what you guys are doing. It might be against the grain of what I think, but let's put it in. And and thank goodness the the results were were great because he just got amazing feedback, specifically from the busy parents who said, you know, just moving the being in the office from nine o'clock to, to 10 o'clock meant I could do the school run, I could do handle a whole lot of things and then just come into work a lot more calmer, a lot more secure and and, and then I'd be much happier at, at work soon. So those were really early things way before the, the pandemic that um, you, you've got to have, and they are rare to have that leader that says, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you and I'll take your advice. Yeah. It's really, it's, I remember like meeting a drinks company that had a chief millennial officer, which sounds a bit of a throwaway title, but they had someone young whose office was next to the, the, the C-suite and she organized parties for them and basically took them around the world and showed them youth culture, which I think is actually really important in both of the, what the job title might be. Um, yeah. Are you optimistic for the future? It's, um, let's just say that, um, I need to shiny that ball up a little bit. <laughs> like I said, um, you know, we, we have a trend, a trend briefing, uh, and I'm starting on this, on the 2024 one, which around about this time we, we put for in for the next year and it's called the state we're in. Um, and we use six trend pillars. We use the acronym trend. So it's T-R-E-N-D-S, uh, which stands for technology, retail, state of the economy, the natural world, diplomacy, and socio-cultural trends. So it's all. It's an executive snapshot of where the world is and where it's going. And the 2023 title, so we theme it differently. The 2023 title was called um, The Great Unraveling and the Rise of the Machines. And um, we, thank goodness, somehow managed to hit the nail on the head in November for the following year. And I've literally just this week formulated the title of the, the 2024 one and I'm calling it um, aftershock, um, reframing resilience. Uh, it's it's not in a case of enduring, but it's a case of um, reframing, revitalizing, or re reimagining that. So I would say that is a slightly optimistic title, but to, to, sell, to say to people, we need to reframe, we need to rebuild uh, anything. So in that way, I'm optimistic. But I, since we are still um, in 2023 at the moment, um, the great unraveling is is what I see all around. Whether it's business systems, whether it's economic systems, politics, other war. Gosh, you just see how it goes on, and you just kind of see uh, things starting to unravel. But um, I think being South African, um, you have a, a DNA chip that kind of demands you to be optimistic <laughs> because if you're not optimistic yeah. um, that could go southwards very very quick this is the problem of being a bricks you have a dna chip that compels you to be pessimistic so we need <laughs> we need more of the cross-cultural um uh, collaboration there um, i want to ask you about advice so a lot of what we do is about advice but what's the best advice you've ever been given best advice i've been given um I just, yeah, I think it, it came from my, my, my dad who passed many, many years ago. But, um, you know, I, I always say he, he was not a rich man, but he was he was spiritually as rich as a, a Bill Gates uh, would be. And and the one thing that, that the best advice he taught me was 
you treat uh, everybody the same, or you give them the same um, amount of respect, well, whether they are a janitor or a sweet, street sweeper, um, or a prince or a CEO. And, and that has really, really kind of um, embedded the way in which I, I see the world and the way in which I, I deal with people. Um, but also it's been, I've discovered in hindsight how much of a leverage point that, that has been. Um, I, I go on kind of exercise walks in my neighborhood, greet people, which you don't do in um, other kind of developed worlds in the countries or major metropolises, but here you, you greet people, you say hello, hello, you greet strangers. Um, and this morning I actually just stopped somebody who, um, yeah, he, he works as, uh, he tends the, his landscape, he tends the gardens to, to a complex. And I greet him every day and I said, you know, stopped him and I said, I really want to know your name because I greet you all the time and we just say hello, but I want to actually um, say hi to whoever you are. He said, oh, my name's Daniel. I said, my name's Dion. And yeah, just that sudden smile and that connection. And I know the next time we'll go through there, and, and I've done it you know, many, many times. It just, it gives people who, specifically in this case, who might not have the agency that everybody else has around them, but it just it, it kind of means that I'm being seen, I'll be recognized, um, and I've been acknowledged. And and the, the, the just the shift in dynamics of, of just a very short inter, you know, interaction uh, once, maybe twice a week, um, changes fundamentally. And and if I take it into kind of just interacting with people and everything like that, that has that advice from my dad has really put, you know, stood the test of time. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. It's really important advice that I think people can quite often forget. And when you when you when you hear it back again, it's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just, you know what the the one thing they said that 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 that's businesses specific to bring it back to business had to do sort of just as we were coming through the pandemic, um, you know, one was what one was trying to to meet the velocity of change because things have changed so quickly and they they're changing even faster as we come out of the pandemic. But the the main thing I think that's fundamentally happened to to businesses which which has not happened on a big corporate level that has been the, the humanizing of of, of business. So whether it's a four-day work week, whether it's about sort of mental well-being, all of those kind of things, that bit of humanity has been missing for a very long time. And I think we need to try and put that back into whatever interactions we have socially. Yes, definitely. But in terms of business as well, uh, specifically, especially if you're a consumer-facing company, yes. But even just you know running a small team, a medium-sized company, um, that bit of humanity is is so important now because... I think people's priorities are completely shifted, and and if you don't recognise that, then you know then your business is not going to do well, or you're not going to be able to recruit the people that you want to because people are going to talk. Well, everything falls apart from the bottom, right? If you're if you're at the top and you yeah. don't have the empathy and the understanding and the patience and the time to go spend time with the frontline people, and you don't put time into making their experience great, the customer experience drops away, and then yeah. then it's, it slowly erodes while you're left at the top, not seeing what's going wrong. What about advice you've been? Uh, what about, about? I'll say that again. What about advice that you give? So, what do you often find yourself? What great advice do you think you often end up imparting on, whether it's your clients or your friends or your family? I think the, I think I'll I'll, I'll give business advice because I think that one's that one's a, a one. And I always kind of end off 
the sessions when I when I when I say to people, um, you got to kind of uh, understand the difference between um, performance zones and learning zones. So um, if you look at high performance athletes, you train and you train ninety five ninety nine percent of the time. That one percent of the time, you go to the big football match, you go to the Olympics, you go to whatever it is, and you you perform and you do amazing things. And say, you know, business, I understand it. There's operational issues. Everybody's got challenges. The challenges are getting even harder as the great unraveling happens. Um, but I said, especially in sort of big company culture, there's, you know, you say, um, we're, we're in, we're in operational zones or we performance zones 99% of the time. And then this really digs deep. So it's a little, uh, little dagger I stick in. Uh, and I say, and then you go, you go on a on a team building weekend, um, and because we in South Africa, I say, you know, you go to a luxury game farm, you take the team along there, uh, you go away for two nights, you play some corporate games, uh, the the X could come up with a, a lovely mission statement, and then you come back to work and they're saying, good, done and dusted, we have our new trajectory happening. I'm like, that's not going to happen. So what I always say to people is. You've got to recalibrate what your performance zones and your learning zones are. Um, and if not 50-50%, then at least like a 60-40 or something like that, that you've got to keep learning um, because, and, and that goes back to that rewirement again. You've got to kind of keep rewiring yourself. Um, and because I'm way over the age, I can say it without flinching, and I can see a lot of people flinch when I say that. And I say, did you know that in the digital era, your skills become redundant at the age of 40? You have to upskill and you have to learn and rewire and all of that. And you can see the older people in the audience really get really uncomfortable. But um, the cage rat, well, those are the most highly paid ones in the audience, right? <laughs> the ones with the biggest salaries going, um, hang on a minute, what did he say? Yeah. Um, there's, really, uh, there's, a, there's a very powerful thing in there that I think people sometimes like they, they kind of get it and they can ignore it kind of like that strategy day they can go away and do the strategy day or the team day come back and go, oh yeah we had a good statement and then we, they you're back into the bad yeah. habits really quickly so i think there's some there's something really really helpful in there that um it especially resonates for me um i want to wrap up this podcast by asking a few like sort of quick fire questions that we ask to a lot of people so sure. well sure um i want to i want to know what title would you give your um your biography or your biopic? Ah, I have one already because I thought about it. <laughs> um, um, I, I was I was working to have this you know this project that you got in the back of your mind. Um, so if I if I had a biopic or or a, or a memoir, um, it would be called Alien Adventures, um, because Great. I've been this anomaly all the time. So yeah, it's like Alien Adventures. Who, who would who would you get to play you in the movie version? Oh my goodness! Um, I don't know. Probably, probably an avatar going with generative AI. <laughs> Somebody would generate something and just like, yeah, you know, create something there. Now, now we know you're creative because people would always like just throw out a Hollywood Hollywood actor and you didn't. So you think you're already thinking on a different level. Um. What, what what's your sort of go-to website or magazine or book or youtube channel when you're procrastinating if you just if you just check out 20 minutes where do you go to i'll probably go to instagram um and you know uh, 
get that dopamine uh, fixed. That that's just on the on a kind of social uh, social level. Um, but otherwise, I'd probably yeah. If I just had to, to, to go out there, I I I I go into um, so that's a different side of it. I go into sort of cookery <laughs> cookery websites uh, and things like that. I'm I'm well, uh, I enjoy I enjoy food. Um, so I would probably go into uh, one of the Epicurious's or the uh, New York Times food uh, kind of thing. So I enjoy doing that. When we set up the Label Sessions cookery show, we are actually going to do this. We're going to have to get you on it quite quickly. So uh, we've, what we've learned is people who are really provocative about change in the future are into one or two of two things, cookery and sci-fi. So... If you're going to have an advertising yeah, money yeah. by Alpec and you're and, and your a cookery nerd, <laughs> then, then, then you're perfect for it. Um, and then lastly, I love asking this question. How weird are you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty weird because um, besides the Cage Rattler title, um, I give myself the other title, which is on my Instagram page, um, of Cat Butler. So um, I'm a... a, a very, very dedicated to Cat Butler, and I take my role very, very seriously. Um, but I think um, I have, that's why Alien Adventures is because I've just kind of been told most of my life that, that you're kind of weird. Um, you don't really fit in. So I've just owned that and said, that's fine. Um, I, I like the weirdness. And um, and I also, I also mourn the... I don't know the, the the kind of the fading out or the the, the lack of the great eccentrics um, that we that we that we used to have in the world. And um, they just kind of came up there. It's you know it's getting kind of social media kind of wannabe kind of things there. But you you don't have an outrageous Vivian Westwood, you know, saying outrageous things or paying for OB without knickers on things like that. It's just like. <laughs> We kind of lost. We've lost that, and and I, and I really, really mourn the fact that, that those great eccentrics aren't there. So, so when I find an eccentric, I I just uh, it's like like seeing a kitten. Like, oh my god, I've got the king, a fellow weirdo. So that's great. I love that. We need we need more weirdos in this world. So we're all for it. So. Yeah. Dion, thank Absolutely. you so much for taking the time to to to, to do this with us and. I'm really excited to get you involved in some of the sessions that we do here. So um hope to see a lot of you from oh, Thank you. Thanks, Ian. It was yeah, great chatting to you and yeah, enjoyed that a lot. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.